This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Oi, oi, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Venus. We're back together, son. How are you? Hi, Paul. Hey, great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. His back is strong, his beard is thick. Wonders what makes people tick. Joe Marler and his show. Joe Marler, here we go. Hello and welcome to Mm. our show. I'm Joe Marler and this is Tom Ford. Whoa, I'm on Tom Ford Dice. What is that? I've started eating cheese. No, 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 no. You're meant to save that cheese. I've saved that cheese. I've had that for five days now. I haven't touched any part of it. Why are you already eating it? Why have you broken the rules? Listen, before you start accusing me of eating my cheese too early, Joe, we're doing this socially distanced. You know, I can see you on my computer screen. You appear to be naked. Are you in your van? No, I'm in my lounge. This is my lounge. You're knocking... Knocking the look of my lounge, are you? You've got a windscreen wipers in your lounge. <laughs> okay, you've, you've rumbled me. You've rumbled me. Yeah, I am stuck in my van, Tom. I've got six varieties of cheese and a cheese board. I am, haven't got a top on. I've got a hat on. I've got headphones on. I've got some slippers on. I've got some pants on and I've got some shorts on. That's how it looks right now. Listen, I'm fine with that. It also makes sense because today, Joe, we're talking to a cheesemonger. A cheesemonger. A monger of cheese. What does monger mean? Specifically, in this case, cheesemonger. I believe, Joe, having done a little bit of research on this, that munger comes from the Old English manga, which means to traffic, as in to take things around to places. And it may also come from the Latin word mango, meaning dealer. What we're saying here, Joe, is that the man we're about to meet is a dealer of cheese. Or a cheese trafficker. Both connotations are slightly illegal sounding, but maybe that adds a little bit of drama. And I can also reassure you, all the cheeses that we're going to be tasting this evening are entirely legal. And if you're listening to this at home, I don't mind, Joe, I hope you feel the same way, if you press pause on whichever device you're listening to this podcast. After I tell you the cheeses that Joe and I are going to be sampling, I find it unlikely that you would source these cheeses then come back to the podcast. Steve thinks that what you're going to do. I think he's probably wrong. You might source one of them. Yeah. You don't have to get all of them. I would I would love it. Honestly, I would love it. I think we should give some sort of reward yeah. out to a listener if they manage to source, having paused this or waited until they've listened to the episode all the way through to source any one of these six cheeses and they send me a picture, or send you a picture, or they send Joe Marler Show a picture, either on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, I would really like them to see if, if they have managed... And it has to be an honesty call here. They've managed to source one of these che- one of the following cheeses, and then I'm going to maybe offer some sort of prize. I don't know what the prize is yet, but I'm going to definitely offer something. Your van. No, they can't have my van, Steve. Why are you in your van? I'm in my van because it's the best signal. My kids have been inside in the playroom where the signal in Jasper's room, he's now in bed. It'd be quite weird if I was sat in Jasper's room where there's the best internet signal for this whilst he's sleeping or trying to sleep (laughs) and I'm eating loads of cheese half naked whilst he's trying to get a good night's sleep, Steve. Is that good enough? Okay, Tom, carry on. Yeah. Is that good <laughs> if you do want to cheese along at home, the first cheese is Tunworth. Your next cheese, which I will take from my box of cheese, is Stickledon. No, Stitchelton. Stitchelton, sorry, it's a bit creased, this cheese wrapper. The next one is Feldstone. Yep. F E double L Stone. Yep. Then there's the Hafod Cheddar. 
which is a beauty. And finally, the Apatha, A-P-A-T-H-A. So try and source those cheeses or one of those cheeses to be in with a chance of winning an unspecified and probably hugely underwhelming prize from Joe Marler. If you can't be asked sourcing those cheeses, that's fine. Um, maybe just choose whichever weapon you have in the fridge. It might be a rind of cheddar. It might be a cheese string. It might be an unspecified cheese. Doesn't matter. Choose your cheese. Get on with the cheese show, yeah? Oh, yeah. I'm, I would like that. I'd really like the thought of listeners listening to it whilst also consuming copious amounts of cheese i'm excited about that before we get on to that though tom um mm. we've had some feedback from last week's episode mainly around my last meal on death row your theoretical yeah theoretical obviously yeah we should just in case people didn't hear the episode joe is not in line to be executed i'm not recording this from texas uh death row Anyway, we've we've had some feedback on, on my choice of coleslaw. We've had some alternative suggestions, haven't we, Joe? So Matt has been in touch to say, my last meal would be pizza, for sure. Uh, maybe some herring. What the... F- herring? <laughs> what is that guy? Who's got herring? <laughs> I, he, he needs... Matt, Matt needs herring. 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 Matt, herring. Each to their own, but herring. What is herring? What's herring? Is that some sort of fish or bird? It's a fish. I wonder if, he's, if he wants it pickled. You often have a bit of pickled herring, don't you? I thought it was one of those giant birds with, the, you know, the massive beak that's... That's like, similar. That's a heron. Heron. Fuck yeah. No, Steve, don't do that. Don't pull that face, Steve. Like I'm an idiot. I'm some sort of idiot. Difficult, isn't it? We've also had some feedback on the fungi the dolphin scenario. Hello there. Hello. Uh, you'll remember in our marine biologist episode... <laughs> I'm I'm fungi. I'm fungi. Come and help me. Anyone? Anyone got a Guinness? Well, fungi. It's funny you should you should say that because I incorrectly stated that you were from Galway Bay. Um, Ian Kirkpatrick is one of many Irish listeners who got in touch to say I was wrong. He says fungi is from Dingle. He's a monster supporting dolphin. Jesus. <laughs> Look at Steve's face. Steve's face. Is just, <laughs> he's just put, he's just had. I can only see his eyes. That's <laughs> he said, but at the microphone. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Why? You always have to ruin it, you parent. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, I think this could be possibly the weirdest, strangest episode of the podcast yet. And in some ways, I hope it is. Right. Well, I've got my cheese, I've got my bottle of red. Um, and let's go. Let's get cheese mongered. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. Hey, which seat are you in there, Joe? You're in the you're not in the driver's seat there, are you? I'm in the back. I'm in. I'm in the no. I'm in the back seat. Yeah. And I've just. I'm slightly distracted now because I believe that Joe is topless. Yeah, I was getting very all hot and sweaty. Um, I always thought you'd have a hairier chest. Did you? Hmm. Can you hear that? That's yeah, slightly hairy. It's not really hairy. No, but not really. I mean, the thing is, the contrast between your beard, which is beautiful and dense, yeah, um, and well moisturised by bulldog skincare products, and that of your chest. (laughs) Oh God, I've locked myself in. Oh, I'm getting all claustrophobic. Oh no. Oh, what sort of? Honestly, this is ludicrous. This is bullshit. (laughs) Fuck you, COVID. Right, our guest today is a cheesemonger, and his name is Ned Palmer. Hi, Ned. Hi, Joe. You okay? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I've got plenty of cheese. Can I just start off by saying that Ned Palmer, for some reason, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's my mind playing tricks on me, but Ned Palmer actually sounds like someone that would know his cheese from his onions. Is that your real name, or is it a stage name? Well, I was, my parents called me Stephen when I was born. And when I was six, I decided to be called Ned because I read this book and the kid in it was called Ned. And I went and said, I want to be called Ned. And they never called me anything else. I think that everything in my life follows from the fact that I was such a little ass when I was six <laughs> and such a geek that I chose Ned. It's quite useful because people don't meet very many Neds. So they remember you. Tom, have you got anything uh, in front of you that smells a bit whiffy? Ned, I've got a confession to make because you very kindly sent Joe and I a remarkable package of cheeses. 
That was four days ago. Um, I'll level with you, Ned. I've eaten most of the cheese. Why couldn't you wait, Tommy? You're a bit of a cheese fiend, are you? <laughs> have you have you tried this cheese? Right. The thing I would say, Joe, without you know, Ned's going to talk us through these cheeses. There's no stunt cheeses in there. There's no cheese that's going to blow your face off. These are cheeses of a, of a rare subtlety, and I think that's why I was able to keep going. Fucking hell! Oh my god! That's... <laughs> I do. I know which. I bet I know which one you've opened. Oh my I think you've god! Opened the apatha. That is the apatha. Yes, you. Feety. Yeah, I knew it. See, I didn't even have to see it. it's your reaction. Right. If you're uh, if you're listening to this and you're eating some cheese, um, it's you and me both. But I have just opened an apatha, as Ned has rightly just guessed from my reaction. It smells feety. In fact, it smells worse than feet. It smells like someone's shoved a foot up a rat's ass. <laughs> And then gone, yeah, I'll sell that for a, a silly amount of money because it looks very artisan. I would say that was a lovely description, but definitely stick to the rugbying and don't don't try moving into the cheese writing there with the rat's ass bit. I would say stick to the rugbying, right. fella. So, <laughs> thank you, Ned. So, Ned, um, how am I eating this? Am I putting this one on a cracker or am I just eating it on its own? When you're tasting cheese really seriously, then I wouldn't have the cracker because you just want to have the flavours, the aromas and the textures of the cheese. When you're tasting cheese for competitions, you know, for when I do judging, we have crackers in between. So I might eat 150 cheeses in the morning session. What? So um, You eat 150 yeah, cheeses? There aren't that many professional trained cheese judges, so you have to eat quite a lot. So I would use the crackers to... Um, Cleanse your palate. To try and neutralise my mouth a bit between each thing. A bit of apple works really well too, yeah. Oh, okay. When it comes to cutting our first cheese, is there something about the nose of a cheese that we should be aware of? There is, and it is that the polite person does not cut it off. And in the north, it's called snebbing. Snebbing. So to sneb the cheese would be a bad thing. A dirty snebber would be someone who snebbed their cheese. Oh, dirty snebber. And they wouldn't be invited back for tea. So the correct way for a wedge-shaped piece like this is to cut a pie slice off it. And that gives you a piece that's got a mix of cheese and rind. Joe, have you got your cheese ready? I seem to have lost power. I know we've got people who are live eating cheese. I love this. I mean, if there's one benefit of all of this terrible experience, it's that this online cheese tasting and, and the idea of live cheese eating is, is so exciting. It's good, isn't it? Oh, he's back now. Sorry, I lost power in the van, guys. I lost power in the van, so... I couldn't see what I was doing with my cheese knife and my cheeses. What's this apatha? So, Joe, what I would say is, yeah. look at your cheese. Yeah. Notice this is a pale white, tells yeah. us it's goat's cheese. On the outside, it's a bit pink. That tells us it's wash rind. Yeah. Give it a squeeze. It's important okay. to feel texture. It's quite bouncy. Yeah, it is. I like that a lot. Yeah, I, lo I like Only ever squeeze your own cheese. Don't yeah. squeeze other people's <laughs> cheese. It's okay. not done. Give it a sniff, because aroma's a big part of flavour, and then eat it. It smells wonderful. It does, doesn't it? Then as you eat it, think of the narrative structure of flavour. The cheese tells you a story. You get the beginning finish. As it warms in your mouth, you get the middle as it develops. And then as you finish it, it should be length. It should have a finish. So it's just like drinking a wine and, and thinking of that beginning, middle and finish. And oh. a really good cheese for me, even oh, if it's mild, should have nice length. Goodness, that! Uh, do you know what? Do you know what's just happened? I've just sat here in my van. I've cut some cheese, a path of cheese. It's the first time meeting you in Ed, and you've made me shut my eyes. In fact, you didn't make me. I just decided to shut my eyes. I smelt this path of cheese. Mm. I put it in. I placed. I felt it with my fingers. It was all bouncy and lovely. And I placed it inside <laughs> my mouth, and then I I chewed. I chewed it all around my mouth and as of that I'm keeping my eyes shut and fucking hell it was so good oh, oh, oh that was lovely I feel so relaxed <laughs> I feel so relaxed this is oh, I just want to eat cheese all night what so that was goat's milk was it goat's milk used goat's for milk cheese? yeah is goat's milk like more expensive is it like the posher version of cheeses goat's milk cheeses do tend to cost more than cow's milk partly because goats are smaller. You don't get as much milk out of a goat. I think it's a bit harder to make. I think cow's milk's a bit more forgiving. Goat's milk's a bit more ticklish, a bit more skillful, and you can mess it up. And one thing is you can make it really goaty, 
and it doesn't have to be really goaty. I don't really know what goat tastes like. What do, what does a goat taste like? Have you met a goat? I've never no. Uh, I've never got close enough. Wow, so god. I haven't lived, have I, Ned? I haven't lived. No, you haven't lived. You haven't lived until you've smelled a goat. Yeah. And I tell you what, when I think about people discovering cheese 9000 years ago, you do think a lot of cheese smells like decay and it smells like odd things and things you might not want to eat and it amazes me that these wonderful people got past that thought i'm gonna eat that funny bit of off milk and see what happens you wonder if if joe i know you have issues with trust joe you the first person to be offered a stinky cheese like the (laughs) trust that was involved there (laughs) yeah when someone's going what you want me to eat this Nah, that yeah. stinks. No, honestly, it's really nice. Give it a go. What is mm. serious? This off milk. Right. If we want to find out about the first cheese, we've got to go back several millennia to the Middle East, apparently, where cheese making yeah. was invented. Or, as it says here, perhaps it would be more truthful to say discovered. How was cheese discovered? Where was it? So it was Middle East. Yeah. Several millennia ago. Yeah. I don't know what several millennia... How long several millennia? Well, it's not, it, the first evidence is around 7,000 BCE. So that's 9,000 years ago, first evidence. Um, Joe's gone dark again. I'm actually now <laughs> sitting in the pitch black with my phone light on under my face, eating another cheese. Sorry, I am listening to you, Ned. It's just I can't help but tuck into... The next one, which was a fellstone. You want to start with the milder cheese, like the fellstone would have been very good to start with. Going for the a path of straightaway was a bold move, Joe. I'd have had that as the pre-penultimate cheese. But I am very happy to move to the Stitcherton, if you'd like to, because it's really amazing. Where the fuck's my Stitcherton? <laughs> Where's my Stitcherton? Well, you can't see because it's dark. Uh, I've dropped. So you'll have to locate it by smell. We'll try and describe the smell view. Hang on. What sort of shape am I looking for? It's a pie slice, hopefully. What's it called? <laughs> Stitchleton. Yes, I've got it. I just found it. It's a fucking good job I found that. Otherwise, that would have stunk out the, the van. This is the best tasting I've um, ever done. Right. <laughs> that mini wedge of Stilton. Careful now, Joe. Stitchleton. If you call it Stilton, you're breaking the law, Joe. What, what do you it's mean breaking the law? Stilton. Why? Well, it's made with unpasteurised milk. And in the 1990s, the Stilton Makers Association said all Stilton has to be made with pasteurised milk. So you cannot make a cheese to their method and in the area of Britain with raw milk and call it Stilton. It would be illegal. So this is called Stitchleton, which is the old Anglo-Saxon name for the town of Stilton because Joe wasn't allowed to call it Stilton. Wow. Oh, wow. And Stil- so, Stilton's yeah. just off the A1, isn't it, by Peterborough? Yeah, you can't make Stilton in Stilton, though. What? Do try and keep up, Tom. You're not allowed to because it's not in. You can only make Stilton in Nottinghamshire, Leicestershire and Derbyshire. You can't make Stilton in Stilton? No. Can you make cheddar in cheddar? Yeah. Cheddar is not so regionally protected, and I think partly because it was the most widely made cheese in the world until the 60s when mozzarella took over because of pizzas. I've just I've just dropped my Stilkleton all over the fuck. I've just dropped it all over the floor, lads. He's naked. He's got his headphones on. He's in a van. He's yeah. lit very strangely from above, and he's smashing yeah. Stitchleton into his beard. And I think he's swigging a very fine wine from the bottle too. <laughs> that li- why? Why wine? Why cheese and wine? You know when you have uh, or is it just wine with everything yeah. these days? Oh, I'm having mates over. Wine. I'm watching a film. Wine. I'm homeschooling the kids. Wine. Why wine and cheese? <laughs> Tell you one thing, I think. They're both fermented. So cheese is essentially, it's a fermented product because you ferment the milk with bacterial cultures to turn lactose into lactic acid. And when you make wine, you ferment the sugar or any booze, you ferment sugar into booze using yeast. I think that's a reason. There's a lot of flavours in wines that go really beautifully with cheese. More in a white than a red for me. I think white's a better partner. Really? I don't think red's that great a partner for cheese. Yeah. Really? I always thought red wine was, was the cheese. Was the thing. Was the wine for cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think for one thing, there's last time someone counted, there were more than one and a half thousand varieties of cheese in the world. And they can't all go with red wine. Is one thing. One and a half thousand. This is from... God, I think it's called the Wisconsin Dairy Institute who study this sort of thing. And they came up with a number 
That's quite a while ago, so it might be more. The other thing that I don't understand as a recovering philosopher is how you decide how to count cheese. Because if you say there's cheddar, there's just cheddar. Or you say there's Montgomery's, Keynes, Pitchfork, Westcombe, you know. Cathedral City. Uh, 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 Tom, 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 Tom. Tom, Tom, Tom. Tom. Don't say the C word in here. No, no, no. Um, He didn't say that. And yes, I'm sure it's a cheddar of sorts. Uh, And then you go to a village in France and there's a nice old lady with about three tiny goat's cheeses. And if you ask her what it's called, she looks at you like you're an idiot and goes, it's called cheese. So she doesn't even have a name. It's just the cheese she makes at her farm. So how can you count them? I don't know how they did it. What's it like being a cheesemonger? That's what I would like to know. Like, what is your, yeah, wow. what's your daily routine as a cheesemonger? A monger of cheese? Well, it depends. Uh, when I was a retail cheesemonger, you work on the counter selling cheese, talking to people about cheese like we're doing now. I worked in the cellar looking after cheeses, washing them, turning them, rubbing them, patting them, sometimes singing to them, which was so, so fulfilling. I loved it because you help this cheese on its journey from being this hard, white tasteless round to something crazy ripe like that really runny one we've got there that started out its life as a firm textured thing with no rind so seeing it and shepherding it through its journey to becoming that is a really lovely experience meeting a lot of cheesemakers really horribly early starts i think the only people that have as horrible early starts as us are farmers at Christmas time, when when you live or die on Christmas, if you're a retail cheesemonger, you get up horrifically early to get in early and taste through 150 Stiltons to find the best ones for the day, say, or something like that. That was quite a thing. Being there at five, taste through the rack of Stiltons to find the best ones for that day because they're all ripening, all ripening really fast all the time. And I'd get my temples would go cold and I'd start to feel a little bit high because I'd have so many bits. And then for my Christmas cheese, I would have a massive piece of Stilton. Oh, my God. So it's just, it's really fulfilling. And I've done... Sounds heavenly. It's so good. It's such a fun job. And it's completely by chance. And also, after my philosophy degree, I thought, that's a bit bollocks. So I got a job as a builder's labourer. And I have actually dug ditches. And I know, empirically, that this is better than digging ditches. <laughs> Did you have the best cheese sandwiches of all? The funny thing about working as a cheesemonger is that they really encourage you to try all the products. So you're allowed to eat anything. They stopped with the smoked salmon after a while because it was like £70 a kilo 20 years ago. And they were like, no more smoked salmon, lads. But um, when you were broke, all you ate was toast- cheese toasties and you'd take the offcuts home and make cheese dishes with them. So at the end of the month, you get broken you're- all you would eat is cheese. So being a cheesemonger is the only job where the broker you are, the fatter you get. What's the best cheese for a cheese toasty? Can I have three? Please, if you put them on a podium. If you can do a sort of one, two, three, or three, yeah. two, one. Yeah, all right. So one would be cheddar. Grated, proper good cheddar, like we're about to have this lovely Havold, or proper Somerset cheddar like Monty's or Pitchfork. Bit of, I like some Marmite or some uh, Worcester sauce. Kirkham's Lancashire, mm. it, much milder than cheddar, tastes like butter crumble, and you, you mustn't grate it. You have to just crumble it on, and I would just have that au naturel. And then my third one would be a stinky wash rind like that Al Patha, but a bit stinkier, maybe, with garlic pickle. Uh, the wash rinds are really stinky, and when you toast them, they get more stinky, more feety and intimate, with some garlic pickle. And then the missus won't kiss me for a week, but it would be worth it. That's my three toasties. <laughs> wow. What do you go for, Joe? What do you reach for for a cheese toasty? I like the cheddar. The cheddar is is my go-to, and I often have it sliced, not grated. So I'll slice it. That's okay. So I'll toast. I'll toast my toast. I mean, I'll toast my bread. <laughs> I'll toast my toast. I've got my toast that's toasted. <laughs> I've just Why got would you bread. toast toast? <laughs> you might double toast it. <laughs> well, you triple cut chips. Why not? Oh, no, why not triple yeah. toast yeah. your bread? Toast your toast. Anyway, I get my bread. I toast it. I pull it out. I put it on the the grill. Then I slice my cheddar, not too thin, but not too thick. And then I'll lay it out. And then what I'll do is I'll probably get some grated mozzarella and I'll put that on top ah. of the cheddar. And then I put it under and I keep checking it. I pull it back, pull it back, keep checking it. And I like it when it turns a little bit brown. That's when I start pulling it off and I'm like, fucking hell, I'm a genius. I'm a genius. I look, I come up with the smuggest grin going. I turn to the kids and I go, 
you're not going to appreciate this, are you? You're just going to shove it down your mouth and you're not going to really appreciate the effort and the love that I've put into this cheese on toast. <laughs> and I don't want to give it to you. I'm, I'm really struggling here whether I should give it to you. But I give it to him because apparently as a parent, you've got to feed your kids um, and look after them. So I do. But then I always hold back the nicer bits for myself. Are they the slightly more brown bits, the crispier bits? All the crispier bits. Crispier the better. Is there any food that isn't improved with cheese? In Lancashire, they have a saying that apple pie without cheese is like a kiss without a squeeze. What? Apple pie without cheese? Is like a kiss without a squeeze. But what? So the cheese is the foreplay in that scenario, is it? Is the cheese the foreplay or the next step, second base? They're having them both at the same time, so make of that what you will. Uh, I, I couldn't possibly comment. Uh, and in Yorkshire, and, and they would have Wensleydale and Christmas cake. Just delicious thing to do. In my household, we've got baby bells. Mm-hmm. We've got cheese strings. Mm. We've got... I was talking to Daisy, my wife, the other night about this. I said, oh, what, do you remember those Dairy Lee triangles? Mm. And she went, yeah, I went, I used to just eat them as the triangle. I wouldn't spread it on anything. I'd just eat the triangles. No, of course not. Why would you? And she went, went, yeah, I know, me too. Can we get some now? I went, no, it's fucking (laughs) 10 o'clock at night. We're not going out and getting some (laughs) Dairy lead thingy. I think Boris might have a fit. Joe, there's Deliveroo, mate. You can get anything on Deliveroo now. That's unheard of in the area that we live in, I'm afraid. What what else do we have that's slightly contrary? Cheese strings. Yeah. Are they real cheeses? Do you count them as cheeses in the cheese world? I do. And so this is a somewhat controversial opinion, but I would say that squeezy cheese or dairy is to proper cheese as pornography is to love. So there is a place <laughs> for everything. I mean, <laughs> ethical pornography, not horrible stuff. I wasn't expecting so many um, sexual or love references uh, with our cheese tasting night, if I'm honest. It's never happened in a tasting before, Joe. The unifying principle is you. Bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> you don't believe me. We are cheese pioneers then, I would say. I'm going to tuck into <laughs> yeah. this. Uh, is it Hatford? Havod. Ha- Havod. Havod. Right, I'm going to... T- and what's this, a cheddar? It's a cheddar. It's made in Wales, in Ceredigion in West Wales. Yep. Right, I'm going in. Quite moist. I'm giving it a little sniff. And as we taste this delightful cheese... Uh, let's have a few ads. I'm going in. Um. Well, it's a quiz, but this time it's a podcast. Yes. With me, Mikita Oliver. I was going to go with that at first, you know, I really was. I love a quiz. I'm nervous. Oh. How many edges does a 20p have? Oh. Oh my gosh. Oh my God, I'm doing so badly. We will quiz, we will chat, and then we will repeat forever. Just search Quiz Chat Repeat in your podcast app. This episode is sponsored by Bob Hope. Bob has a black Labrador called Dougie who spends four hours a day walking in the woods behind his house. To be more like Bob, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Marler Show and grow the show. This episode is also sponsored by Dave Darking. His best friend is his on and off girlfriend of 25 years. On and off for 25 years? Fucking hell! Make a decision! Uh, He likes the TV show Vikings and his favourite drinking buddies are King, Lewis and Tristan. Thank you, Dave. To be more like Dave, you know what you've got to do. Go to Patreon dot com forward slash joe marler show and grow the show and this episode is sponsored by josh buckley not jeff buckley who sang hallelujah hallelujah also sung by alexandra burke off of the x factor (laughs) his favorite fruit is the candy floss grape whoosh he cooks kidney bean enchiladas for his vegetarian partner and adds a pack or two, not just one, two, of chili heatwave Doritos on top. Go on, Josh. To be more like Bob, Dave and Josh, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Marler Show and grow the show. Hey, it's Kaylee. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season. This is the podcast where we put our favorite fictional TV characters into therapy. Join me, Ben Bailey-Smith, and our brand new psychotherapist, Namon Metaxas. Hi, Ben. Yes, this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders, Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behavior creates so much drama. So make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast. Those were the ads. Joe, you are you have eaten some Hafod during the ad break. What's your reaction, please? Sorry, I've mistimed that really badly because I've put another piece in my mouth. Um, <laughs> what, of a different cheese? No, I had to go again for it. Oh, my God. It is... Mm, I'm really worried that the listeners are just going to be so weirded out by this close-up <laughs> of me just eating cheese ASMR style. You two don't sound as heavy breathing or thinking maybe that's my weight issues as well. What what am I tasting in that Hafford? Well, one thing that I tell people is to just say what comes into your head. And it's something I was taught. I was inducted into the Guild of Cheese Graders a few years ago. Like when I was a kid, I thought I was going to be in the Guild of Assassins or Thieves or something. But that I can still happen, Ned. Don't rule it out. <laughs> well, I don't see why not. I think, that's to- I think I could do a career change. Anyway, I think I'd make an amazing sniper. You would be the last person I think of being an assassin. So... Like Tom's, like Tom's just said, there's definitely a chance for you to still make that. You can legitimately carry knives around and mould and spores. Yep. All sorts of stuff, yeah. And what they said to me is just say the first things that come into your head. Don't censor yourself. Don't second-guess yourself because your subconscious is much better at this than you are. So, And smell is, and taste is so much to do with memory. So um, when I smell it, I get earth mushrooms bit of stone i get a bit of old church you know that i was yeah i was getting wood i was getting wood i'm sorry <laughs> yeah <laughs> was i know i like cheese but i mean i was getting <laughs> i was this, getting wood this one's going out after night i was getting it? really i was <laughs> getting woody like yeah it's like, i think that's a really oh, nice yeah. word you, and that for me is in the same sort of spectrum of flavors as stone and earth mm. is that woody bit of that dankness what's dankness well i think that the kids of today have a different meaning to me because dank seems to refer to really strong ganja like dank weed <laughs> and then there's dank memes you've like given us ganja cheese halfway through the podcast you see you know how he took his top off and yeah you oh, wait till you have no, this no, is no. all the plan was it this is conspiracy i just mean i guess dank like moist celery earthy i think i'll be friends with this cheese i'd like to be friends with this cheese do you know why go on because it's an honest cheese right it's not fancy dan cheese Mm. it's quite chilled out it's relaxed it's not going to suddenly it's not going to jump out from out the door and scare the shit Mm. out of me it's it's like a solid but interesting complex cheese Tom, I like how you're trying to connect uh, with this cheese on on a slightly deeper level. That that means you're taking it seriously, which is nice to know for the first time in, what, six months working (laughs) together that you're taking this semi-serious, which is lovely. (laughs) You talk about making... I need need the the breakdown of how the fuck do you make a cheese? Well, you get some milk, Mm -hmm. and the milk is full of lactose, milk sugar. Mm -hmm. You want to turn that lactose into lactic acid. It pickles the milk, sours it, preserves it in the old way, actually. So you add a starter culture, lactophilic bacteria, loves lactose, eats all the lactose, turns it into lactic acid. So that sours your milk and it starts to separate the liquid off the solids. This is not very appetizing, but just so you know, when your milk goes off, that's what's happening. You know, it smells a bit odd. And if you taste it by mistake, it's sour. Mm. You'll also notice if you left it for way too long, it would start to separate out and you'd see the liquid separating off it. So you can take that milk you've added your culture to, you could drain it off in a bit of cloth and you would have cream cheese. You had a very simple cheese. You'd need to put some salt in because it tastes quite boring without salt. And that would be a form of very primitive cheese. Being so soft, it won't keep for long. 
So the next thing you want to do to your proto-cheese is add rennet, an enzyme that coagulates milk and, and, and squeezes out the liquid. Then you have a kind of gel, looks a bit like creme caramel, and that's your curd. You ladle that into little molds or big molds for cheddar, draining off more whey. You add salt, you add salt at different stages for different cheeses. But basically you then have cheese. So you've got milk, you added starter culture, you added rennet to coagulate it, you drained off all the way you could, and you added salt. And the amazing thing is that nearly all the cheese in the world is made using that method and those ingredients. And all the cheeses I've sent you that all look so different and taste so different are all made with milk, culture, rennet, salt, and they're drained and that's it. And it's cheese is magic. Talk me through this cheese that i've come across which is called a milbenkasse hang on it's german so i'm gonna to have to do my german accent oh, hazard no hazard no no that's fuck. the wrong one danke uh guten tag okay no that's fucking africa uh, south african again guten tag go go milbenkasse 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 kaiser milbenkaiser it's spelled M-I-L-B-E-N-K-A-S-E. Yeah. Heard of it? No. Oh, okay. This is this is going to be great then. We can, <laughs> I did we can... say there were more than one and a half thousand cheeses in yeah, the world. Yeah, it's, it's fine. And also, I'm, I didn't want to lie. So this cheese is uh, is producing Verkwitz, and it's from a quark. What's quark? Quark? Quark is quark. Uh, like um, cream cheese. Like You know the thing I described, the first stage? Okay, so it's at that stage. It's like cream cheese, yeah. And you, you don't add rennet for quark. Okay. So this, this says they sit this quark mm. amongst dust mites. Dust nice. mites for several months mm-hmm. with some rye for the dust mites to nibble on. Okay. Like the mites then shit all over it. <laughs> and in the in the mites poo is an enzyme mm. and it ripens the cheese that turns it progressively yellow red brown and then black at which point it's eaten with all the mites on it what that is an artisan cheese produced in germany yeah and it's made me feel somewhat sick well don't don't eat it why save it for me oh i'll have it <laughs> Okay. It sounds amazing. Daisy's wanted me to get rid of that one uh, for a long time. No, 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 just save it. Keep keep it in the caravan. Yep. Keep it nice and warm and it'll be more fun when I come round to eat it. We'll be we'll need some whiskey. I think this one might top it though. And it's a Casu Mazu. Casu Mazu. Italiano. Yes. It's a Casu Mazu. Do you want to explain this one to Tom for me, please, Ned? Yeah, so that one, it's a contentious cheese. It's illegal throughout the EU. It's made in Sardinia. Illegal cheese. Illegal cheese, yeah. People eat it, but illegally, and they're aficionados. What they do is they encourage maggots to grow on the cheese. And they're a specific kind of maggot, <laughs> not any old maggot. Ooh. And they turn a hard cheese into a creamy cheese. But the other thing is, it's crucial that the maggots are alive when you eat it. Because what? when they die, they become toxic. What, they're not toxic? They're maggots. You mean they're not I nice know, right? when they're alive. But it gets better than this. You thought that bit was grim. The other thing is that when they are alive, which they need to be, otherwise you die if you eat it, they jump. And if they get into your eyes, these things, they cause damage. <laughs> and it's bad, because apparently it's bad to get worms. It's bad. So you have to wear safety goggles to eat it or i think traditionally before safety goggles they would like cover their eyes to eat it yeah i've never had it and to be blunt with all respect to the people of sardinia i very much doubt that i will but there it is Kazumasi. some people have described it as the most dangerous cheese in the world brilliant um and i think maybe it's you know the- but i know about more dangerous cheeses but sure i think it's it is probably very well, th- hang on there's a more yeah. dangerous cheese than a kazumazu what's it called joe it's a castle don't knock the sardinians mate they've got one of the highest if not the highest um levels of centenarians centenarians people that live over 100 maybe that cheese has got something in it that's actually giving you well it's obviously it's a form of of unnatural selection isn't it yeah anyone who can survive kazumazu eating they're gonna live to 110 can live more than 100 years that's That's a superhero 
That's how it works. Yeah. You said there's more, a, a cheese more dangerous than that. Tom got really excited and scared. Well, people have died for it, you see, for cheese. And there was a thing in 1766, which was the Great Cheese War. Hang on a second. No, yeah, no, no, and, no, and, and no. And it's in my no, book, no, so no, it no. must be true. No, but, no, no. This yeah, is bollocks. Yeah, it's a real thing. This is a wind-up. People are fighting... Joe, I read it in a book. So they're fighting with cheese as their weapons of choice, or they're fighting over the cheese? No, but that cheese. has happened too. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. You go with yours then. They were oh, fighting over cheese. Right, you go with your story then. Let's go. Okay. Uh, 1766, the British had just beat the French again. Like, fighting with the French was sort of national pastime until the 19th century. And in this one, they whacked the French so severely, they even gave them some of the land back. But after the war... There was a lot of big tax bill to pay off. So taxes went up, food prices went up, economy was really popping. And people from out of town were coming into your villages and towns, buying up the cheese at a higher price and taking it away to sell in cities. And people didn't like it. And there were riots. And the best ones, to my mind, happened in Nottingham in 1766, where local people started, and they were called rude lads. The local rude lads, which are like 18th century rude boys, um, <laughs> started surrounding the mongers and forcing them, intimidating them into selling it at the old price. And people started trying to get away with their cheese. So they put armed guards, these cheese writers, around Nottingham to stop them taking cheese away. And the mayor came out. This is one of the dangerous bits. The mayor came out to remonstrate with them. And they were rolling cheeses down the street. And he got knocked over and injured by a rolling cheese. <laughs> I love that. I don't know if it's this it's cheese we're eating, Joe. But as Ned is telling us these stories of, of the Great Cheese War, I'm in my head I'm seeing the battle fought with cheese so i could see like a massive wheel of edam would make a very effective shield against the great grape shots yes you could have really hard little goat's cheeses we haven't tried the goat's cheese yet but if you matured this lovely little hebden for about six months it would become rock hard and you could use it as ammunition in a sling or a very wide-mouthed shotgun i just you know that you know that um cheese rolling competition that they have down in yes where's that down where's that down gloucestershire in gloucestershire, gloucestershire. And how it's gotten yeah. very, well, dangerous. They say, like, yeah. people get break their legs, like shatter bones. Yeah. and Cooper's Hill, isn't it? That's it. Well done, Tom. It is Cooper. But the speed yeah. at which these cheeses yeah. go down that hill, as well as the people, yeah. I would, that's how I would defend my country or my castle. I would, I would build my castle on a massive hill, approximately 100 foot high, and it's a gradient of, what's that gradient? What's the gradient that goes right up? 90 it's a steep gradient it's a steep gradient <laughs> steep it's steep it's very steep and i'm i'm making all these massive wheels of what's the hardest cheese you can get ned the hardest cheese um i reckon it's mimolette which is a french cheese and looks like the surface of a moon and it's a ball and you could use it as a cannonball there's a story about a naval battle where they ran out of cannonballs and they fired hard cheeses like this <laughs> I've just remembered this. Thank you, Joe. They fired cannonballs and they sunk a ship. So recently on one of those um, documentary things, they had a go at doing this and they found they could rip some canvas sails with firing cheeses from a cannonball. That would stink, though, wouldn't it? It would stink. It said that blokes got injured with cheese shrapnel <laughs> in the story. Joe, my fear, if you were going to try and defend your land, as you call it, or your castle by rolling cheeses, is that these cheeses may be used as weapons against you. So let's say they set up some yeah. siege engines, some trebuchets. Yeah. No sooner have you rolled the cheese down the hill, they've just let them run out of steam. And then... Yeah, yeah but Tom, when have you ever heard of a trebuchet being able to hit a castle with a wheel of cheese when my castle <laughs> is 100 foot high? Is 100 foot a lot? I'm sure it's I'm Not sure really. It's is it not? not really. Fuck. As castles go, okay. not, not huge. 200 foot high. Uh, just something really high. Yeah, yeah that's better. Um, I tell me when you're knocking down my cheese castle defence, Tom. Just let me live this dream out, which leads me nicely. Well done, Tom. This is see, this is leads me nicely <laughs> onto dreams. And why do I always end up having vivid dreams eating cheese before bed? And there's a theory that cheese is a bit hard to digest, so that when you 
um, when you go to bed and you've eaten some cheese, uh, your body's still quite active and so your brain's a bit active, but that's a bit of a boring theory. So my personal favourite theory is because cheese is psychoactive, particularly hard cheeses because it has a chemical called tyrosine or tyramine, I never remember which, which is the precursor for serotonin. So you need tyrosine or tyramine to make serotonin in your brain serotonin is a neurotransmitter so that affects your brain so cheese is psychoactive so i would like to think that that's what's happening joe's you've just had a mammoth serotonin burst from your nice big piece of cheese and you just have are they happy dreams went these dreams yeah should we, should we talk about your dreams <laughs> we'll leave that for a, for another pod um, <laughs> if i'm honest really, Ned. but thank you that's giving interviewing you that's am giving I? me sorry, a really sorry. nice insight into that because i'm pretty sure serotonin isn't that like the happy drug yes isn't it or something you need cheese makes you happy yeah so cheese does make you happy so if you're listening to this we're so. encouraging you to just gorge see what i did that gorge like cheddar gorge mm. cheddar gorge yourself mm-hmm on cheese as much as possible while still maintaining some sort of healthy balanced lifestyle with regular exercise only once a day at the minute in lockdown um and also a balanced diet of other things you know say salmon um or uh, apples salmon and apples salmon apples and cheese what sort of diet is that well it's balanced i tell you what i think this is genius tom are you are you nibbling again you I've little, gone rogue. You little, Sorry, you little rat. What are you eating? Are you doing a new one? Or I've dived into the. Is it Tunworth? Ah, have you got Tunworth? Yeah, I have. Yeah, Joe, have you got a very gloopy cheese? Very gloopy. Smells particularly feety. Sort of white, furry, velvety rind on the outside. Yeah, I've got a Tunworth. It looks a lot like a uh, camembert. Raymond Blanc, who's quite a famous chef. French chef says it's the best camembert in the world. This Tunworth. He's not allowed back into France anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's creamy. It's sweet. Oh, my God. Am I eating... Oh, oh God, it's lovely. Am I eating the skin? Mm-hmm. Can I eat the skin? Defo. The rind. Oh, so it's called rind, not skin. Call it skin if you want. It's, we call it the rind. I, uh, I love to. I've always loved cheese, Ned. I'm a big, big cheese lover. I used to sit on my mate's uh, bed. I remember we were, what, 13, 14? I'd go around my mate's house. And a lot of other 13, 14-year-old kids would go out and kick a ball about, cause trouble, you know, play knock-down ginger, knock-and-run or whatever you used to call it, 40-40, all those sort of silly nonsense, you know. And me and my mate, Sean his name is, would sit in his bed, um, we'd get a towel, we'd lay this towel out on his... Oh, God, that cheese is so good. Lay this towel out on his bed and we'd get a couple of cheeses. Um, nothing fancy because we didn't know fancy cheeses back then. We'd just we'd get a block of cheddar. We'd push to a bit of brie maybe, whatever was in his mum's fridge. And uh, he'd get some sweet chilli out. And because we were young, we're not, you know, we haven't got an experienced palate yet. So we'd get some sweet chilli dipping sauce out and he'd get the salad cream out. And we would sit there with crackers, a whole pack of crackers, a whole block of cheese, a whole block of brie. And we'd sit there playing Xbox, eating cheese together. And <laughs> I've no idea why I've told you that story. Um, apart from trying to explain to you that my love of cheese, I'd like to think, comes close to your love of cheese. Because you must love cheese. I do really, really love it. And, and that was a beautiful story and I really enjoyed it. And I'm not against the sweet chilli sauce. The salad cream is a little bit weird for me, but a chilli sauce, I'd be down with that, I get that. Why? Why Why are you not down with salad cream? Have you tried it? Well, yeah, in about 1976 was the last time I had Oh, salad piss cream. off, Ned. It's fucking made a... <laughs> it's made a comeback. Has it made a comeback? It's made a comeback. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I think we're the only country in the world that eats it. I don't think anyone else knows what it is. But they've got mayonnaise, so why would they just... You know, I know there's the great mayonnaise salad cream war here, but... What about, um, this is going to, I'm going to ruin my brand now, Joe. White bread salad cream sandwiches, nothing else, just white bread and salad cream. What about that? White bread and salad cream sandwiches. Yeah, sliced white. <sighs> my first reaction would be, all right, each to their own, it's fine. Like my wife, <laughs> she dips uh, jam on toast in her tea. 
That's quite strange too. Oh, right. That's strange. But just eating salad cream sandwiches isn't, no? No, it's absolutely normal. Each for their own. It's it's just a bit, I'd like a little bit more substance for myself. I need to keep my weight on, you see. And there's not enough calories just in the salad cream and and white bread. Mm, Salad cream, you need the cheese as well. This Tunworth, Ned, is fucking phenomenal. I just want to sit here and eat a ton of it. Get it? Can either of you tell me what the most expensive cheese in the world is? Well, I think it's donkey milk cheese from Serbia. Oh, he's nailed it. Oh, thank God for that. For an extra point, can you tell me its name? If it's Serbian, there'll be a lot of consonants and insufficient vowels. They are really short of vowels in Serbia. Is it Srebrenica? It is the most expensive cheese in the world. Is $1,700 US. For how much? For a pound of cheese. It's produced at a nature preserve in Serbia. So you were right there, Ned. And it is called Pul. Puli. Pule? Pul. P-U-L-E. How's a Serbian saying that? I don't know, which is embarrassing because I've got Serbian nephews and they'll kill me. Literally? You know, they would. They're quite one of them. He's got got those tattoos on his knees. You know, the Russian ones where you don't kneel. And he's got the tree of life on his chest and he's quite, oh, and he's got his block number because they grew up in blocks in Belgrade and he's got his block number like in Judge Dredd. Who on earth would have thought this cheese tasting night would have got onto your nephew being Serbian with tattoos all over and those weird ones on his knees? Ned, uh, things I've been wondering in advance of talking to you, Ned Palmer, cheesemonger, expert monger of cheese. If the moon was genuinely made out of cheese... What would be the best cheese for it to be made out of? I'm thinking in terms of lunar landings, like the moon not breaking up and peppering Earth with cheese asteroids. What do you think? With cheese shrapnel. Yeah. It would have to be quite durable, but yet quite flexible. Actually, I know exactly what it would be made of. It would be made of a cheese called Lincolnshire Poacher, which is the love child of cheddar and Gruyere. So cheddar is quite hard and durable and Gruyere is more flexible. So it is a mix of both cheddar and, and, and Gruyere. And it would have that kind of flexibility that would allow a spaceship to land on it. But the durability for it not to, you know, um, to fail. Um, the advocacy of Wallace and Gromit uh, yes. for Wensleydale, has this impacted in any way on sales of Wensleydale cheese? Hugely. And apparently at the time Nick Park's wasn't into it it's just he thought it was a funny sounding word but it's now i think it might be the most widely exported british cheese it's certainly giving cheddar a run for its money and if you go to whores where they make it you'll see images of wallace and gromit everywhere because they love them because it really it brought them back from the brink it's a wonderful story that makes me very happy and it leads me to my third quickfire cheese question is it true ned palmer that mice prefer chocolate to cheese. So if Joe was leaving a series of mousetraps around his caravan this evening when he eventually departs it naked from the waist up, smelling of cheese, would he be better lacing his mousetraps with chocolate or with cheese? Well, oddly enough, it is chocolate. And the reason I know this is when I work for a great cheese shop, I won't say who it is because we wouldn't like to say that there were mice there, but there were. And we actually had to put chocolate down and that's in a cheese shop. So if you wanted to catch a mouse, you needed to put chocolate down. So empirically, that is true. I, that's are you No, no. I know, I'm sorry, Joe. When have you ever seen an episode of Tom and Jerry and they've gone, oh, I'm going to fucking shove a bit of chocolate under there to get him out? Joe... I know this is going to be painful for you, but I don't <laughs> think Tom and Jerry is based on reality, certainly in terms of cheese, cheese microbiology and, and the eating habits of mice. All right, if you say so. If you say so, that's cool. We've got one last cheese remaining here. I'm sceptical, I'm nervous. I'm, it's the smallest one that you've been, I've been given. Yeah. It's got a goat drawing on it. It's called a what? Hebden goat goat. Are you? Are you a cup of tea? Are you me? Are you on? You want cup of tea? No, that's no, not. Is that Northern? Is that Northern? I cup. Ah, uh, you want cup of tea? So it sounded more southwest. Did it? Did oh, to yeah. me, Joe. I've got to admit, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah. monkey! Oh, you want cup? Oh, yeah, that's it. I got it. Oh, monkey! You want cup of tea? And if if you want if you if we've got no biscuits to put with your tea, John some Hebden goat handmade in Yorkshire. 
it's cheese. It's gorge cheese that you can dip in your tea. Do you want some? <laughs> is that all right? Is that well? Is that where it's from? That was that was that was okay. Oh, sorry. I've just picked it up, Ned, and it's very pale on the inside. And, yeah. But the rind is very different. Why is the rind so different? The rind is it's base. It's largely a mould. I reckon there might be a bit of yeast on here. Oh. And there's a lovely wrinkly mould called geotrichum. You smell slightly cabbagey smell. Oh, yeah. Just a bit cabbagey. It's another quite new cheese made by one called Gillian Clough, who's actually a radiography lecturer. A radiography lecturer? I think that's what she does. Like, it's quite a scientific background. So by day, she, she looks at people's bones. Teaches other people how to look at people's okay, bones. Okay, so she's the queen of... Of bone looking, and Queen then by looking. night she's making this goat cheese. Cheese makers are really dedicated people. It's quite hard work. The margins are rubbish, and I love the fact that she does works really hard doing radiography lecturing, and then also makes cheese with her ten goats. I think she's got ten goats. That's not a big point about that. It's a very small herd of. Don't worry, Ned. I wasn't blown away by you describing 10 goats as i wasn't going oh fucking hell she's got 10 she's got 10 goats who who on earth in the world has managed to get hold of 10 goats is 10 yeah, i know i right? mean it's still it is i'm not knocking her radiography lecturing must pay well she, yeah she can afford 10 goats colossal herd rampaging around hebden i just wanted to be clear i can't quite describe this one ned mm. it is it's wonderful. Very strong. Say the first thing that comes into your head. Okay, like I'm picturing that I'm in hospital and not hospital. I'm picturing the dentist now. I've just been gassed. Okay. You know, when you're a kid and they put that mask right. and it tastes a bit strawberry, but also chemically. Yeah. And now I'm not really, I know I haven't really described the wow. cheese in, in a good light here, but that's what I'm, that's all I'm getting. If there's a, if there's a sensation that isn't bitterness, and isn't sourness, yes, but is yes, another thing. Yes, Ned, yes. It's that. Yes, yes. And it's a little bit mouth-drying. Yes. It's that. I wanted to call it bitter, but I didn't know how to say bitter without it sounding negative, because usually the connotations around the word bitter is negative, but it's not. I mean it in a in mm. a nice way. The bitterness of it was, was nice. It was, it was nitter. Mm. It was nice bitter, nitter. I might borrow that, Joe, if that's okay. I like that. Knitter. It, had, it has a knitter. You, you have that. Yeah, thank you. You're very kind. I feel I feel like I've got gout. I feel like two hours ago I didn't have gout, but I feel like I've got it from <laughs> drinking this red wine and copious amounts of cheese. It would be really terrible if I'd done that to a great sport personality like you, Joe. No, but I think it's worth it. The taste of that Tumworth, Ned, it's worth getting gout for. I would, I would live on that Tumworth. For the rest of my life, it's just been absolutely wonderful. <laughs> I don't know where to go now. <laughs> I, would, I would like to finish by thanking you, you, Ned, massively. I acknowledge that this may have been a slightly different cheese tasting to the sort that you usually run with such a lan. So I apologise for the strangeness of this evening. Um, but I would like to thank you as well. And Joe, <laughs> if he can gather himself together as he sits there naked in the dark in his, in his caravan... In the East Sussex countryside. Ned. <laughs> what else? Ned. Ned, what's going on here is that I have been to work today. I trained rugby union with some of my friends and I travelled home about an hour and a half approximately. And then I got home and I drove up onto my grass to sit in my van because it's got best mm. internet outside the door of that you know yeah. uh, and now i sit in my the back of my van with a cheese board half eaten cheeses uh my laptop yeah. positioned on some yeah. sort of stall the mic positioned on ikea boxes <laughs> that have been turned up like this uh there is cloves everywhere i'm half i'm half naked and uh i'm almost certain I'll bear in mind, I haven't seen my kids either. My wife's homeschooled them all day and I haven't even bothered to go in and say hello to them. And I'm almost certain that the van is stuck in the mud (laughs) so that I'm not going to get that out anytime soon. It's wheel spinning. But at the end of the day, I've had one of the most wonderful experiences I've I've ever had in my life. I've never done a cheese tasting evening and I'm really... And the fucking light's just gone off and I'm almost certain I'm locked in here. In the dark with some cheese and uh, you've got a cheesemonger's history of the british isles book <laughs> which i'm a proud owner of um, and i would highly recommend that to any cheese noises or 
people that want to get into cheese out there because it's got some fascinating stories in there. Thank you. You could say goodbye if you want. Or if you've had a really bad time, you could just say, uh, this was fucking weird, I'm off. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I'll definitely say thank you, but I did also want to say, Joe, that in a crowded <laughs> field, this is the most out there and the best cheese tasting that I have ever, ever done. And thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been absolutely outstanding. Cheers, cheers then. <laughs> So I feel slightly dizzy on cheese, but in a good way. Maybe I just feel dizzy because I enjoyed that episode so much. I've got gout. I've definitely got gout. You're going to have to phone Eddie Jones. Uh, I'm afraid so. This red wine and this cheese <laughs> combo tonight has really uh, stopped the blood going to my toes. He's not going to be happy. Do you want to rehearse this this call? Okay, so you're calling me. I'm Eddie Jones. Hello, Joe, mate. It's lovely to hear from you. It's late, though. Is there something up? What's the matter? Yeah, uh, all right, boss. Um, sorry to trouble you, mate. Uh, just need to let you know I'm not going to be around. Uh, oh, mate, what, what What do you mean? You're my first choice. Naturally, you're not my first choice, Loosehead. You're one of my three choices at Loosehead for the squad. What's up? I'll, I'll get straight to the point. It's not a mental health issue again, um, and it's not me retiring again. Don't worry about it. It's worse. It's gout. No. Tunworth cheese. Fantastic, but it's made me... Um, it's made you gouty. Gouty. I've got gout, mate. I've got to go. <laughs> Done. Great end. <laughs> Steve's lost it. Steve's lost it. He's gone. He's gone. I think he's crying. He's crying. Ah, oh, fuck my life. <laughs> We got it. This is what we've been trying to do for six months. We've been trying to break Steve and we've finally fucking done it. Crowd Network. A place where you belong. Sports Social Podcast Network.